You are listening to the sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. This week, we are continuing our study on the life of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet. Grab your Bible and get ready to dive into God's Word together. It's good to see you this morning, and welcome to all of our campuses who are joining us this morning. Happy Fourth of July weekend. A lot to celebrate. And uh, listen, I, uh, I wanted to follow up from last week because I, I know you must be wondering. I did start my marathon training on Monday. Okay, and, and here's the thing. I also saw the, the social media post uh, that Harvest Bible Chapel made, and they asked the question, do you think Pastor Tommy's going to do it? And I was a little discouraged, okay, that 57% of the people said no way. <laughs> Doubter's going to doubt, okay? Hater's going to hate. I did it, all right? So uh, praise the Lord. It was awful, <laughs> but it happened. Amen. My goodness. Um, does anyone here love uh, or like watching boxing or MMA or any kind of full contact sport? Anyone? Just me? Okay, a couple of us, right? It's not everyone's cup of tea, but I like to sip on it every once in a while, you know what I mean? And if you've never watched it before, um, there's, there's a couple of ways that a fighter can win in, in, in an MMA or boxing match. Uh, the first way is through something called decision, and that's where the fighters go all of the rounds and the judges score each individual round and then they make a decision on who wins the fight at the end. Another way that someone can win specifically in MMA is through something called submission. And that's where one person gets a, another guy into a choke hold or a you know, arm lock or a leg lock and they tap out or they say uncle, right? And, uh, and that's another way that they can win. Another way is something called a TKO, which is a technical knockout. And, and there's there's a couple of ways that that can happen, but mainly the referee steps in and, and, and stops the match because one of the uh, fighters is unable to intelligently defend themselves. And so for the safety of the fighter, they stop the match. And, uh, and then we get to kind of the holy grail of full contact sport, which is the KO, the knockout. You know, this is, this is the thing that, that they, they make the highlight reels of, right? They, they, they slow it down, super slow motion. You've ever seen that? And it's like, boom, and the ripples on the face and the sweat and the spit and maybe the mouth guard goes flying, right? And the people, the crowd goes crazy. They're all up on their feet. Because why? It's the most dominant form of a victory is the knockout. It shows that you truly dominated your opponent. I mean, they make movies about this, right? Rocky, like the whole thing is Rocky's down and out, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, knocks out the guy, and everyone's like, yes, Rocky. A karate kid, I know that that's neither MMA nor boxing, right? But the crane kick, you know what I'm saying? Boom, knocks him out, and everyone goes nuts. We love to see the, the, our guy win in such dominating fashion, don't we? Well, let me just tell you, a little spoiler alert, uh, we're going to see a great great knockout today in scripture, okay? It's going to be great. The title of our, our message uh, today is Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah. Classic. Classic. We're going to be in 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 17 through 40, and we are continuing on in our series in Elijah, and, and, and the story of Elijah, if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you've noticed that the story, the story of Elijah has really been building up to this climactic moment, right? It started with the ravens at the brook, and then it moved to the widow and the flower and the oil, and then it moved to the widow's son. And God has increasingly, increasingly been showing up 
in power throughout Elijah's story, right? It started with God just sustaining the life of Elijah through the raven and through the, the brook. Then it moved on from just sustaining the, the life of Elijah to sustaining the life of Elijah and the widow and her son. And then it moved from not just sustaining the life, but also having complete and total control over life and death. And now we get to our tale of the tape. Yahweh versus Baal, the climactic battle. So let's look, 1 Kings 18, verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, um, Ahab, King Ahab, bad king, right? He has been searching for Elijah all over the place. In fact, he's been going to different kingdoms and he has been um, having those kings promise him an oath that they have not seen Elijah and that if they have seen Elijah, that they would tell him. He's been looking all over the place. He's been fiercely trying to find Elijah. And let me just say, it was not to give him a hug, okay? And Ahab said to him when they, when they saw each other, is it you, you troubler of Israel? You see, he blamed Elijah for the drought. He blamed Elijah for all of the trial and hardship that Israel was facing. And Elijah's like, no, 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 no. Verse 18, and he answered, I, I, I've not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Elijah, after meeting the king, he proposes a challenge, right? 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, who is a goddess who is known as the consort to Baal, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah versus me. 850 prophets versus one Elijah. And in fact, let, let all of Israel come to see this showdown, to see this fight, right? And the king, well, he thinks this, this is a great idea, right? He agrees to it. He thinks it's great. He's like, oh yeah, are you kidding me? 850 prophets versus one Elijah? He's going to be humiliated. He's going to be humiliated in front of all of Israel. This is, this is great. So the king agrees to it. And I just want to point out real quick that this is not the, the last time that Elijah is going to stack the deck against himself and Yahweh, right? Because very reasonably, we can see that Elijah could have just said, send me the best prophet. Send me the number one prophet of Baal. And we're going to go 1v1, mano v mano, right? God versus God, prophet versus prophet. And that would have been fair, wouldn't it? Everyone would have said, oh, that's a fair contest because it's one versus one. But Elijah doesn't do that. He says, no, 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 not one versus one, 850 versus one. He's stacking the deck against himself and, and God. Look at verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all of the people and he said this, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Here's the first thing that we're going to see this morning is that half-hearted worship isn't acceptable. Half-hearted worship isn't acceptable. Do you see that? When Elijah is speaking, how long will you go limping from two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And the people were silent. In other translations, it says, how long will you waver? How long will you waver? How long, Israel, will you go undecided? Limping from two different opinions, if we were to bring that kind of into our modern vernacular, it would be something like, how long will you sit on the fence? 
How long will you be blowing both hot and cold? How long will you stand in the middle of the road? How long will you be of two minds? How long will you have your feet in two different places, right? It's undecided. It's half-hearted. And, and I, um, I, I'm not uh, in, like an undecisive type of person or a half-hearted type of person, but I am in like a very specific spot in my life, and that is takeout food. And uh, my wife gets so frustrated at this. And maybe there's some guys in here who are like this too. And um, she'll come up to me, she'll be like, hey, honey, let's get some takeout tonight. Uh, what do you want? And I'll say, uh, uh, whatever. Right, I'm that guy. Whatever, I'll eat, I'll eat anything, you know. Whatever you want, I'll eat. You know, I, I like to say I'm like a garbage can, you know. Just throw it in me. <laughs> I'll take it, whatever, you know. And then she goes, um, okay, well, uh, how about like something like, I don't know, like Chinese. And I'm like, uh, well, maybe not. I'm not really feeling that, you know. And she's like, I'm confused now. You just said that you didn't care. I'm like, well, I guess I care like just a little bit. And she's like, well, okay, well, how about tacos? And I'm like, you know, I'm not really feeling tacos tonight. Um, it's weird. Um, but what if we narrowed it down to like two things and then we can, we can go from there. And so we do and we get down to like, you know, whatever, pizza, Lou Malnati's and like B-dubs, Right. And she's like, okay, now, now you can decide. And I'm like, you know, they both sound good. I could take either. Whichever one you want to pick, you know, actually I would take both at the same time if it were financially, you know, possible. And, uh, and then, so she just gets frustrated, right? She gets so frustrated to the point where she's like, Tommy, like, can you just choose? Just choose already. Like, it's been 30 minutes <laughs> that we've been talking about this. We could have got our food, eaten our food, and been done with this in the time that it has taken us to talk about this. Can you just choose already, right? I, like, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. I'm pretty, like, undecided when it comes to food. I'm, I'm pretty half-hearted when it comes to food. And, and as we see here, Israel's problem and our problem a lot of the time is that we are half-hearted in our worship to God. We are indifferent in our worship to God. We are fence-sitting in our worship to God. One day we're in, and, and the next day we're out. We'll come and we'll worship on, on Sundays, but then we'll go and worship other things during the rest of the week. This is, this is half-hearted worship. And here's, here's the thing, is that God despises half-hearted worship. It is unacceptable to him. God desires our singular worship. He desires our full devotion and our full love to him alone. And it is such a problem for Israel and for us, and God knows that, that there are multiple scriptures, multiple scriptures that, that point this out, that talk about this, right? Um, it's the first commandment, isn't it? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's, we see it here in this verse. Uh, we see it in Joshua 24, 15 through 16. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the, the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about Matthew 6, 24? This is Jesus. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Revelation 3, 15 through 17. This is Jesus again. I know your works, and you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And these are just some negative examples of this. This this isn't even to mention all of the positive examples of this, right? Like love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This half-hearted worship, this, this, this indifferent worship, this fence-sitting worship, to use the language of Scripture, it makes God want to throw up, to spit it out of his mouth, to vomit. It is that unacceptable to him. He desires and commands our highest and best and most exclusive worship to him and to him alone. So so let's bring this to an earthly experience, right? The most devoted relationship that we have in our earthly experience is marriage, right? And if you're not to marriage yet, maybe dating is probably the most devoted relationship you might have, right? Where you commit together to be devoted fully to one another and one another alone, right? So just imagine for a moment that while you are fully devoted that your spouse or significant other is only half-heartedly devoted, only half-heartedly loves you, but also then half-heartedly loves someone else and is devoted to someone else as well. How would that make you feel? If you're anything like me, even the thought of that puts a knot in your stomach, makes you feel sick, that were to happen, it would break our hearts, right? It would make us want to to be sick. So even in our our human understanding, we realize that this type of half-hearted devotion is unacceptable, even repulsive. It makes us feel sick. It's the same with God. It's the same with God. We were created for our creator, And he is a jealous God, and he will not share you or me with anyone else or anything else. He demands our full-hearted devotion and love and worship. And so to use again the language of Scripture, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. Because you have to choose. You have to choose. Do you choose to serve Jesus To the Lord, do you serve the Lord? Full devotion, full love, full worship to him and him alone? Or do you choose something else? You have to choose. Because half-hearted worship is unacceptable. Look at verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you will call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. This is uh, Elijah explaining the, the rules of the fight, right? It's only me. One person versus all of you. And here's what we're going to do. You're going to cut up this bowl and you're going to place it on the altar. Don't light it on fire just yet because here's what we're going to do is we're going to pray to our God. 
and, and the God who answers with fire by burning it up, that's the true God. That is the God who wins this fight. And then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, verse 25, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first for you are many and call upon the name of your God, and, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it. And they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, oh Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made, and at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Can I just tell you? This is one of my favorite moments in all of scripture. Can I just say that? Like, nah, chef's kiss right here. Elijah mocking the prophets of Baal is like peak. It is peak right here. Oh my goodness. It, dripping with sarcasm. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Cry louder. <laughs> maybe he can't hear you, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe he's musing, which means he's deep in thought. Maybe he's just deep in thought. Maybe he's just thinking really hard. And so he just, he can't hear you. Just cry a little louder. <laughs> or maybe he's relieving himself. Translation, maybe he's going to the bathroom. You might be saying, certainly, pastor, certainly he did, that's not the translation of that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. A prophet of God is making a bathroom joke. Absolutely, right here. <laughs> maybe he's going to the bathroom. That's why he can't hear you. He's like your dad who takes an hour to go doo-doo. He just can't hear you. <laughs> what a savage, right? Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's just far away. That's why he can't hear you. He's just too far away. You got to yell louder, prophets of Baal. Come on. Or maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's just a heavy sleeper and he's snoring. You just got you to you yell louder so that he can, you can wake him up. It's kind of like a reverse, like, don't wake daddy game, right? Just yell louder. <laughs> And they do, they do, verse 28. And they cried aloud. And they went beyond that and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. That's the uh, offering of oblation is the evening sacrifice. So about 3 p.m. Listen, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Here's the second thing. When idols fail, we try harder. When idols fail, we try harder. Baal failed. They cried from the morning until noon and nothing. He failed and Elijah mocked them for it. And because Baal failed, the people worshiping him, they, they, they started to get desperate. They started to get fanatic. They doubled down. They tried even harder to the point of cutting themselves. We have to be even more extreme. We have to, we have to try even harder. We have to start sacrificing ourselves by, by cutting ourselves. And then he'll hear us. Then he'll give us what we are asking for. The thing that's wild is that we do this too. Right? When, our, when our idols fail in our life, we, we try harder to get the result that we want. We double down. We become more desperate and more fanatical. When, when, when money fails us, I, I just need to try harder. I just need to do better. I just need to, I just need to grind more. I just need to hustle harder. And, and when I do 
then, then I, I'll have the, the money and, 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 and I'll be happy. And I might have to sacrifice some things like my wife and kid, but, 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 but I'll, I'll have what I want and I'll be happy. I just got to try harder, do better. What about uh, when we look in the mirror and think that our beauty is faded? I just need to work harder, right? I, I just need to get on a diet and, I, and I, I need to start to lose weight and I need to exercise some more. And if I could just get to that number, oh, if I could just see that number on the scale, oh, my life would be so much better. And maybe I need to cut myself in my face and rearrange some things, right? But to make it happen, but then I'll be happy if I just try harder. The, the unfortunate thing about this type of behavior is that we bring this into our relationship with God sometimes, don't we? If I just try harder, if I just do better, then God will give me what I want. If I just, I just got to try harder. I just got to sacrifice myself. And, and when I do, God is going to give me what I desire. And the thing that we do is we start to treat Yahweh like Baal. We start to treat Yahweh like Baal. But listen to me, that is not our God. That is not our God. Yahweh is not the God of trying harder and doing better. Yahweh is the God of, I did the better thing because you couldn't. Jesus lived the better life, the perfect life, the life that we could never live. Jesus died on the cross and took all of the punishment upon him, the punishment that we deserved. Jesus rose again and he defeated sin and he defeated death, foes that we could never hope to beat. Jesus did the better because we couldn't. And in him, in Christ, he has won us the freedom from that type of behavior, the trying better and the doing more to get, to get, to earn to deserve. Now, I want to be super clear. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't give our highest and best to God, right? Because why? Not because we want to earn something. Not because we're earning our salvation. Nothing like that. We give our highest and best because he deserves it. Because he's worthy of our best effort. But our relationship with him does not hinge upon our trying harder and doing better. We cannot treat Yahweh as if he is Baal. But, but we do. We try harder, especially when our idols fail, because we, we think that if we do, we'll, we'll find our meaning, and we'll find our purpose, and we'll find fulfillment in it. Here's the third thing. I, idols cannot do what only God can. Borrowed that a little from Pastor Jeff. Idols cannot do what only God can. Look at verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So the prophets of Baal failed. Elijah says, come, come near me, to me. And the, all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. You see, Mount Carmel was, was a contested place between the Israelites and the Phoenicians. And whoever's God was being worshipped at that moment, their altar stood at the top of Mount Carmel. And the other God's altars would be thrown down. They would be torn down. That's why Elijah needs to repair the altar of the Lord because the nation in this moment was worshipping Baal. And so they had thrown down 
the, the altar of Yahweh. It's, it's kind of a lot like the, the, temple, the temple mount, right? This is a, a place in Jerusalem. It is a, a place of worship, and it is contested. It's contested by three groups, actually, Christians, Jews, and Muslims. And right now, uh, the, the, the Muslim group has a majority control over the temple mount and actually uh, tries to keep people away from those other groups to come up and to worship. Listen to me, there's nothing new under the sun, okay? There's nothing new under the sun. It's happening here today. It's happening right here in the ancient day. Nothing new under the sun, just different people with different names. It's contested. And so Elijah does, he repairs the altar. And then he makes a trench about the altar. As great as would contain two seahs of seed, which is about like 3.5 gallons or like 14 liters. And he put the wood in order and he cut the bull in pieces and he laid it on the wood and he said... Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Why was Elijah doing this? Why was he doing this? Elijah, don't you know? <laughs> Have you ever built a fire before? Like, if you get the wood wet, it doesn't, it doesn't start on fire. Right? Why, Elijah, why would you do that? Why is he doing that? You see it again? Here it is again. Elijah stacking the deck against Yahweh. Stacking the deck against him. Why? Because he wanted what was about to happen to be crystal clear. Unmistakable. That even with a supposed handicap, right? I'll fight you with one arm tied behind my back. Even with a supposed handicap, it will show the undeniable power of God. Undeniable. Verse 36, here it comes. And at the time of the offering of oblation, again, evening sacrifice, 3 p.m., Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then immediately the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let no one, not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Okay, first, knockout punch, right? Total, complete knockout punch. Decisive victory from Yahweh, executed in a brutal fashion, the winner. <laughs> think about this. I think we like go past this really quick. The, the fire fell, okay? It fell on the altar and it consumed the burnt offering, consumed the wood. We would expect that, right? Consumed the bull. We would expect that. But it also vaporized the water, more than that, it also burnt up the stones. Do you know how hot something has to be to vaporize stone? You know how hot? I have no idea. 
I tried to look it up. I literally could not find someone who knew the answer to how hot something must be to literally vaporize stone. There were some, I, I was, I, this is what I did. I, I looked on a, on, a, on a scientific theory website for, for us to try and find this. And the best that they could try and figure out was maybe 30,000, or sorry, yeah, 30,000 degrees Celsius. It's like two times the, the surface of the sun, right? The, the, the point is, is that this is, especially in this day, and even in our day today, this is an unnatural fire. This is an unnatural heat. They would describe the power of this as, as, as a modern-day power plant. That's, that's how much power would have to go into this moment. That's how powerful it was. And all of Israel saw it. The decisive KO. Dominant performance. It's the power of our God. Amen? Do you also notice the difference between God and Baal in this scripture as it goes through? Do you notice it? There's a couple things. Uh, Baal won't hear. He doesn't hear his prophet's call. No matter how many of them, no matter how loud, how loud they cry, no matter what they do, he, he doesn't hear. But God is eager to hear. Baal is silent, but God answers immediately. Baal requires shouting and dancing and cutting and blood. God requires simple, quiet prayer. Baal is dead. God is alive. Baal doesn't deliver. God delivers. God gives what Baal cannot. Baal couldn't control nature or rain. God did. Baal couldn't bring fire to the altar. God did. Baal couldn't sustain life. God did. Baal couldn't have power over life and death. God did. God gives what Baal cannot. Now let's do something. Let's replace the word Baal with uh, the word idol because that's what Baal is, right? An idol cannot give what only God can. Now let's go further. Let's replace that word idol with maybe your idol. Well, I don't know what my idol is. I mean, what even is an idol? Well, Tim Keller says it great when he writes in his book, uh, Counterfeit God. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. And anything that you seek to give you what only God can give it. Simply, an idol is something that we have placed above God in our lives. An idol is something more important to us than God. And, and while we may not bow down and worship Baal, hopefully, right, we have modern day idols that we do certainly bow down to and, and, and worship. And we seek from those idols something that only God can really give. So let's walk through a couple of them, modern day idols, right? Um, identity. Yeah, identity cannot give you what only God can. Identity is, this is a modern day idol. Uh, people are obsessed and worship identity. We try to find our identity in our jobs and in our talents and in our gender and sexuality now and in our political affiliation and any type of group and really in anything we try to find our identity. But the reality of that identity is that we can lose it quickly and easily. 
But in God, he gives us a true identity in Christ Jesus. And it is, listen, secured in Christ. Meaning that when we don't measure up, we don't lose that identity. Because God's love never fails us. Identity cannot give what only God can. What about wealth? Well, wealth cannot give what only God can. Well, I trust, I trust in money, and uh, money is going to get me all of the things that I want, and money is going to, to help me live the life that I want to live. It's going to make my life better. But what, what happens when people get to wealth? They, they either are not content and they want more, or they find out that having that wealth, they thought they were going to receive something else with that, fulfillment, happiness, and, and they find out that it's not there, that it's empty. It's a harsh master. And in God, we have provision. We have something called the abundant life. We have purpose for our life. And get this, we have true, actual contentment. What about status? Status cannot give you something that only God can. If I just reach that status, oh man, people will People will see me and they will think well of me and, 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 and I'll be somebody. I'll be someone. But I either crush myself trying to reach that status or when I get that status, it fades because that status can fade like that. But in God, we are sons and daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ and therefore co-inheritors co-inheritors in heaven with Christ. That is fulfilling status, one that this world could never offer. What about beauty? Beauty cannot give you what only God can. If I could just be beautiful, then I'll be happy, right? If I could just look like the people on the magazine cover or in the movies, I will be, I'll have it made in the shade. But listen, you will never find beauty when searching for it on the outside. You'll be chasing it forever. And the moment that you think that you found it, you'll get older and it fades even faster. It's a harsh master. But in God, you have been made in his image. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made, which means that you have great intrinsic beauty. In 1 Peter 3, it says, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or, or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorn, adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Beauty cannot give you what only God can. What about worth? About worth. I like to talk about um, phones when I, when I think about worth, right? Because some of us can't be without our phone, right? Can I ask you a question? Uh, what's the first thing that you do when you wake up? Is it this? What's the last thing you do when you go to bed? Is it this? If I were to tell you that you have to go a week without your phone, would that sound like torture or freedom? Right, it might be, okay, praise God, not an idol for you, let's go. <laughs> but it might, it might be, right? But why is, why is the phone an idol? Why? It's just a piece of technology. Why is it an idol? Because it speaks to worth, right? Does anyone care about me? Did I get a text message? Did I get a call? Did I get a FaceTime? Does anyone care about me? Did, 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 did anyone uh, comment or, or like the, 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 the message that I, that I put on, on social media? 
Did anyone comment or like the picture that I put? Because when they do, we feel worthy, don't we? And when they don't, we feel worthless. It's a harsh master. But listen to me, in God you have real worth. You have been bought with a price. The price being Jesus' death on the cross, willingly paid by God. And listen, something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay. And Jesus Christ paid with his life. What does that say about your worth? What does it say about your worth? That's real. That's eternal. It's not the fake and faux worth of this world. But we chase after these things, don't we? And we give everything for them and to them. But they cannot give what only God can. Your idols are dead, just like Baal. And you have true identity and contentment and status and beauty and worth in God alone who is alive. And so we cannot say, Lord, I trust you, I'm devoted to you, I love you, but also I trust my idols and I am devoted to them and I love them. We can't say that. Why? Because it's nonsense. Because we have in God a kind and gentle master. And he is alive and he provides us the things that we are truly looking for. And your idols are harsh masters and they're dead. And they won't give you anything beyond a a fleeting, temporary, fake version of what you're looking for, no matter how hard you try. And so how long will you waver? How long will you go limping from two different opinions? Choose this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. God, I thank you for our time in your word this morning. Lord, I thank you for your power. I thank you that you are alive and that you hear your people and that you answer. Lord, you are not the God of do better, try harder. And so, Lord, we know that we cannot do those things, but it is by your spirit that we are able to do all things. And so, Lord, would you help us? Would you help change our hearts? Would you help change our minds? Would you show us in our life this week that our idols are dead and they are not worthy of our worship and they are harsh masters and they will not answer us and they will not hear us, and they will not give us what we're looking for, but God, you are a kind and gentle master, and so, Lord, you are so worthy of everything that we have to give, and so would our full devotion and our full love and our full worship be directed towards you and you alone, because you are good, because you did the better thing that we couldn't, and we honor you, Lord. So help us, Lord, to choose you this day. Help us, Lord, to serve you this day. Help it to be true in our lives, Lord, that 
me and my house, we shall serve you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information on how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbible.org. Tune in again next week for another edition of the Harvest Bible Chapel podcast.